Coming up next, it is the NFC North post-draft pod. It is a mega pod with three different guests. we got Tim Miller coming on to talk about the Chicago Bears with me, of course. We had to do this based on the euphoria around Justin Fields being drafted last week. It was an amazing night, amazing weekend for the Bears. Then we have Alex Becker coming on to talk about the Minnesota Vikings, how he feels about Kirk Cousins, where this team is headed in 21, can they rebound and getting back into the playoffs. And then finally, Brandon Thornton is on to talk about the Detroit Lions, a team in a mega rebuild with a new coach, brand new quarterback, and a lot of young players. Before we get into the pod, I want to talk about the music in our podcast and thank the guys that have been providing the music in this podcast for quite a while now, Swimming Into View. Uh, these guys are finishing up a new album, should be out sometime. I'm not sure if it's by the end of 21, but it's coming. And uh, these guys are starting up live shows again. Uh, they'll be playing the Zufari 2021, Thursday, June 10th at the Fort Wayne Children's Zoo. More details to come, but awesome gig for these guys. Uh, please go check them out. Uh, four great dudes. And I got to give out a official shout-out to my man Josh Cross, continuing to be the editor for this show, putting all these pieces together, and he's killing it. I appreciate Josh a whole heck of a lot the last couple months. So let's get into the NFC North podcast. Welcome to your best bets, NFL post-draft recap, and specifically the NFC North recap. And part one of uh, this podcast, we'll be talking about the Chicago Bears. Uh, A lot of exciting things happened uh, last week during the draft, uh, which was much needed considering the lackluster offseason and a lot of um, disappointing moves um, prior to the draft. Uh, joining me, uh, of course, to discuss the Bears is Tim Miller. Tim, you haven't been on in a while. What's been going on? I know I haven't been on in a long time. I think uh, it was before Scott Fieri in Belleville. I think it was the uh, – I think it was the the tournament that Morikawa won. We were, we, I think so. Yep. And yeah, it's been a while. Uh, it's, I, I've listened in, and I had some really good episodes since uh, since I wasn't here. I, I was kind of expecting not to be called back, but some well, not some not so good golf picks in, in a little while. Not, not so good. in a little while. Um, you know that that's gambling. That's just the way it works. Sometimes I have I honestly haven't been betting on golf for like. I'll throw five dollars here and there, but not like I was. Um, I don't. I don't. I want to. I just. I just haven't really. I just haven't paid attention the last few weeks. I guess I got busy with my own golf game. I was gonna say. I think. I think people started playing more, and it's kind of less focus on what's been going on the tour. Yeah, I, that's what it's been for me. But I. Uh, 
And, and and how is how is the golf game for you? <laughs> it's the same as it's been for you know, like thirty years. It's just like every year, I tell myself, "Man, you're close." And I don't even know what I'm close to, but I feel like I'm close. And I will tell you, working at just just working on my game at the garage, um, the golf garage, using the TrackMan, understanding the TrackMan, understanding the technology. Working with some some good people uh, around my course at Riverbend, I think I understand way more about the golf swing than I ever have in my life. I don't know if that makes me a better player, but like I feel things and I, I look at the swing way different than I did a year ago. So mm-hmm. I think using those tools is going to make me a better player. But by the time that I really understand it and figure it out, I'll be too old to really play anymore. So yeah, I was gonna say you'd be older dead. I don't know. <laughs> well. <laughs> If I make it home tonight, I'll be happy. Uh, well, I was going to say, playing with you a couple times this year, you seem more comfortable with your swing and your game overall, whether the scores are there or not. Hopefully, that that gets you know uh, that gets there. But and you did say you were making a lot of swing changes in the off season, working on a lot. Well, the the swing changes that I'm making are so simple and basic. But when you make when you swing the same way for 10 years or five years, even making those simple changes, they feel impossible and they feel they're so uncomfortable and it takes so long. And I understand with golf, to make a change and develop it, you're probably going to get worse until you really get it down. So I'm fine with the scores I'm shooting now. I mean, I, I put up some, I put, I think I put up like a 96 at, at Brookwood in the first, at Brookwood in the first that, that three was, Rivers event. That I mean, was a little surprising. Just from the first tee shot until the last putt, I mean, I, I wanted to get off that golf course. I just, it, it was one of those days you wake up and nothing's there and nothing felt comfortable and probably just wasn't ready for it, uh, not with the, the, the changes I was making. But I feel like everything's good in there. Um, we did not have a good outing at the five-man. None of us on our squad played good, but. Yeah, it was a little disappointing. It was, uh. Super disappointing. You got you got three members over there at Riverbend, and they, <laughs> that's right. They, there's no reason uh, for us to do what we did. But, um, seems like it's always a disappointment after the five man. We have high hopes, and I don't think we we're going to shoot that score that day anyway. Seventeen no. under is that was pretty ridiculous. There were some good ones that we didn't really expect with the the wind and the uh, the pins that day. I was that was impressive. Uh, not not that impressive from us. Um, let's talk about the Bears. Yeah. Um, uh, should, should we talk about most recent or most recent stuff, or or should we go back to the start of the off season and lead up? What, what do you want to do? I think uh, I think the biggest news in Chicago, and, and as far as a draft pick, this might be history, and uh, I guess I think we should start there with, with Justin Fields yeah. because it's it's. Probably hasn't been excitement like mm. this around a, a Bears draft pick in uh, yeah. many years. I can't remember when, actually. Um, I mean, we got some guys. We got some Heisman Trophy winners that turned out to be busts. Yeah. And, and there was some, some decent excitement. But I think the attention around the draft is a lot different than it was mm-hmm. you know, back when we drafted Rashawn Salah, who I don't even know if is, is alive anymore. He actually isn't alive. Yeah, I didn't think he <laughs> yeah, was. Yeah, I mean, he's not. So – you know, welcome to Chicago, Justin Fields. 
to kind of go back a little bit, I think we needed uh, some sort of excitement or jump because the I think it was about three minutes after the Bears signed Andy Dalton in free agency. I think I got a text from you like, this is a fucking joke, <laughs> something along those lines. And I was kind of waiting on it, and, and you came through like I thought you would. And uh, I think it was just this – and that was the time that we were trying to trade for Russell Wilson. You know, that yeah. that had been the rumor. And at the time, I was just saying, do it. Trade him our next five first-rounders, and we'll figure it out. You just got to get – you got to get a franchise quarterback. Um or you're not going to win the Super Bowl in this league. You're just not going to. If you look at his the last ten years, it's just it's not going to happen. Now you can argue that the Buccaneers won last year because they had a. I mean, their defense took over the Super Bowl, um, and, and it helped them get there. But they still have an elite quarterback leading the way. So I just thought all along, go get Russell Wilson. Didn't happen, and so it. We just thought, okay, this is this is. Uh, it's a one-year deal with Dalton. They're just going to throw away 2021. You know, that, that'll be the end of Ryan Pace. That'll be in that Matt Nagy. And then so this, so, so we come up on the draft day, the 20th pick. Um, I, I thought there was a real outside chance maybe Mac Jones would fall to 20 or um, I don't know, one of the other quarterbacks, although I, I do – draft day that uh, Trey Lance was going to be going to the 49ers at three, um, and Zach Wilson at two. So I, I thought maybe there's like some fluke that that, that it's going to happen where Fields is going to drop. Um, and then it was when the Panthers at eight, they didn't take a quarterback. And then the Broncos at nine didn't take a quarterback. And I was like, well, that's kind of different. I, I just figured one of them would take Fields. Um, and the Bears uh, – well, I think, yeah, at the 10th pick, there was a trade between the Cowboys and the Eagles. And while that was happening, I saw on Twitter there was some there was some stuff about the Bears trading up. I think I had texted you before. I'm like, it would be nice if they traded up. Uh, and then it just it just happened, and I, I lost my shit because I, I knew they were going to take a quarterback. Um, I was I – was, I just I, I want to know part of Mac Jones though I don't know why if, if that if this pick was Mac Jones it wasn't going to excite me the way same way it was if it was Fields um, and I guess it's because I saw a lot of Justin Fields play the last you know two years and you know a lot of just being in Big Ten country you see a lot of the Big Ten games I mean he was dominant the last two years uh, and, and the playoff game against Clemson I know you're not a huge college football guy but uh, I mean, he threw six touchdowns against, right. you know, arguably one of the two best teams in the country, and he was the best player in the field. So I had that lasting memory of Fields, um, and I, I couldn't understand why he slipped the way he did behind Wilson and, and Lance. Um, but when they traded up and made the move, I just I just couldn't believe it. it the feeling the next day was like yeah. hope had returned. And I think that's all you need sometimes as a fan of any sport is you just need some hope that your team's got something in the future to look forward to. Whether it's this year or not, I feel like we have something down the road now. Well, yeah, I mean, the end of last season and then the, the moves to basically get rid of Mitch. And then the day that they signed Dalton, another text I sent you was, I'm not even watching this team. That's, that's, like, I that's have right. no interest in this shit. This is I was sick to my stomach, and it's a team you root for for years and years, and 
thick and thin, and they just seem to make the most horrible decisions. So, honestly, I wasn't really paying too much attention to the draft because I'm like, yeah, bring in a lineman. You know, let's get them ready for whatever this next quarterback, whoever that's going to be, because we can't get our hands on a, a stable quarterback. Right. Somebody who's going to be able to play for, for several years. I mean, and then the, the Dalton move just really confused me. But then you kind of, like you, I thought, well, they're just throwing the season away. Maybe they're trying to get a good draft pick mm-hmm. in 2022, and they'll build off of that. And then when I started seeing things about the draft and where where this was going to go, and, and then when they actually have fields, well, I, I think I want to watch next year. You know, I, I think it, it doesn't just bring hope to that position, but it's like what he can do to some of the other positions on the field. Some of these other, the Allen Robinsons and uh, – Tariq Cohen's and you you have you have a lot of weapons on the team. It's just they haven't been able to use them, right. or, or maybe right. maybe coaching something to do with that and play calling. But right. but yes, it's it's exciting. Um, that's the optimistic side of yeah yeah. I, I, I want to talk about him just a little bit more. I mean, four he, he runs a four four forty. Um, I mean, he's got the he's got the arm strength. He's big. He's strong. I mean, he's just. I mean, I've seen clips of him just where he's just athletic and fast. And we just never had a guy like this. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just feels it feels so much different when we made the trade up to get Mitch in seventeen. Mm-hmm. I mean, I remember him going to the Bulls game that week, the week and he got booed. I mean, that's not going to happen to Justin Fields. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, this was universally praised like. From every Bears fan, every analyst. I mean, it was just just great. And it, and the good news is they didn't give up. They didn't give up the world to get there. They, they, yeah, they gave up next year's first rounder. Um, you know, they gave up, uh, I believe, a fourth or fifth rounder this year, and then they threw in, a, I think, a fourth next year. But that's a pretty small price if this guy ends up being the guy that we think he can be. I mean, a lot of a lot of comparisons to a bigger Russell Wilson. I yeah. mean. Um, so I, I think the ceiling on fields is is really high, but I think the floor is pretty high too, um, just based on of his, uh, you know, what he can do, not only throwing the ball, but just you know when things break down, being able to, to take off and run. Um, I think it'll be interesting to see how he fits in in Nagy's offense. Um, I know Ohio State had a little bit of their scheme was a little bit of the deep ball. I mean, he throws as good a deep ball as I've seen. You know the Bears, and maybe they didn't do it because they couldn't do it. Right. They didn't go down the field a lot. A lot of it was underneath, but maybe that was by design. By design, because Mitch just wasn't accurate. Yeah, I, I think I think we'll find a lot out. I don't know if we'll find it out this year or not with right. with Fields. But so, do you think he should play right away if if he's ready? Um. Or does there's it, part of me that's like this guy is your future. You know, these other quarterbacks have got thrown in the mix their rookie year. And, and they turned out just fine. Um, I mean, I think if you can protect him and, and, you, and you and you have a running game, I don't know if you let him like pull loose in the offense, but maybe you do. You know, like, are you gonna? How many games are you gonna win with Andy Dalton as a quarterback? You know, like, is this about winning games or is it about developing a quarterback? Seven. I kind of think maybe they should start Dalton and bring him in. Mm-hmm. into certain packages into games, you know, just throw a diff- something different in there, and then eventually 
that'll give him that playing experience too, and he can maybe be starting by you know towards the end of the year if he's performing. Uh, that's I, that's kind of the way I'd like to see it go, but yeah. and having Dalton back there, I guess, is a good thing. I mean, man, I just can't stand that guy. I don't know why. I mean, let's be honest. It, it, this is what they try to do in 17 with Lennon. Yes. And to be fair, Dalton is much more experienced and just better than Lennon. But it, that was that was that failed immediately, and they had to bring in Mitch right away. I mean, I think it was week three or four. Um, I mean, I think Dalton could give you – I mean, he, he could probably lead you close to the wild card if he played the whole season, but I think Bears fans want to see Fields at some point in the year. And I think he will play at some point in the year. I just – I've I've I'm kind of echoing back and forth on this. If he's ready by the end of camp, do you just start him? Because, like, I, I think I said this to you, Bears aren't going to win the Super Bowl next year anyways. Right. So – and Dalton's on a one-year deal, so – should you just give the kid experience and, you know, maybe 2022 they can make a, a serious run at the playoffs, you know, and, and he's already got a season under his belt? I, I don't know. Guys, it seems like when these kids come out now, they're they're just ready to play more than they used to be, you know, where the, you might see a the first – I think Car- Carson Palmer, he was the number one overall pick a while ago, and he sat out the whole season. Didn't even yeah. – I mean, as the number one pick. I mean, you just don't, you just won't see that as much now. No, and I don't. I don't think you should. I mean, I I, I saw a video today of, uh, of Fields working out at a Bears facility. Like this, this kid seems to have a different kind of drive. You know, he, he seems to be a hardworking kid and um, pretty well dressed too. Um, yeah, from what I've seen. But yeah. Yeah, he seems to have a good attitude and uh, seems real confident too. Yeah, and, and and confidence is confidence is huge, and I think. I think he believes in himself. I think he likes uh, he likes where he ended up, and we'll see what happens with it. But I, I I put him on the field. I mean, maybe not game one, but yeah. early in the season you get him out there and you get him playing and, and get as much experience because I'd like to know. I'd honestly, as a fan, like to know what kind of team we're gonna have. It may not be you're gonna see flashes, and it's like it may not be every week and it may not be every quarter, but. You're going to see flashes of all these players and how they work together. And I really like the team. You know, looking through the roster and looking through who they resigned and who they they let go, and it kind of makes sense. I mean, it, it's it's a good direction, at least offensively. I mean, I still feel like there's some some holes defensively that seem yeah. to have always been there. But yeah, um, but offensively, especially with him at quarterback, it could be a really dynamic offense. Like it could be fun. Uh, I'm gonna come back to Fields. Um, obviously, as as we talk here, let's uh, the rest of the draft, and then we'll kind of talk about the rest of the roster. Uh, round two, they, they take Tevin Jenkins, the tackle from Oklahoma State, who probably uh, from sounds like a lot of analysts had a first round ground grade, a first round grade on him. Um, so they traded up to get him at 39, and I, I mean I love it because their tackles last year weren't good with uh, Massey and Leno. Who are both are not on the roster anymore. We'll talk about that in a second. Um, so he'll Jenkins is going to play right away. Um, he feels he feels to me like a you know that's that's your, at, least, at least your right tackle, maybe your left tackle for 10, 12 years, yeah. that kind of guy. And we haven't had that really. I mean, you, our last really great lineman was probably Kyle Long, but he was always hurt. Mm-hmm. I, I think Cody Whitehair is really solid too. He's been solid for a few years, but. 
I think Jenkins has Pro Bowl potential. Uh, round five, they get Larry, Larry Borum, tackle from Missouri. I think at this point he's going to be a backup, but add some depth there. Um, you know, either backing up Jenkins or probably Fetty on the right side or left side. I still don't know what they're going to do. Um, they get Herbert from Virginia Tech, the running back, who I, it sounds to me like he will be uh, pretty big in the return game and special teams because they lost uh, Cordero Patterson. And um, he, he was also a rookie running back. Yeah, he was just he was just awesome for the Bears. Actually, he, he, is, he was awesome. Just an awesome player. Yeah, I mean, I mean really underrated for the Bears. He kind of did it all. Yeah, um, I mean, he yeah. was the guy down there making tackles on punt coverage. Yeah, and then he was the guy returning a punt for a touchdown. Yeah. It was crazy. Like he's just a, like a true football player. So Herbert. I just don't see him getting much play with Montgomery, Tariq Cohen, and the addition of Damian Williams from the Chiefs. I don't think he's going to be doing much as far as carrying the ball, but I think on special teams it's a decent play. Daz Newsom in the sixth round I think could compete for a spot in the slot. It depends on what happens to Anthony Miller. Um, they've been shopping him for a few weeks, according to Adam Schefter. Um, and I, I know, I think you and I both see the same thing with Miller. Really, like, one game he'll just be unbelievable and make these really tough catch, yeah. catches, and then he'll have some just crippling drops. Yeah. I mean, just some bad, bad drops. And I think his, from what I've read, like, mm-hmm. you know, his just intensity and his commitment isn't always there. Um, it's the last year of his contract. And we were talking about this before recorded that, you know, maybe he just needs a, a fire lit under him, you know, and, you know, guys in their contract here, they're playing for money. You know, I, in theory, I like him. I want him on the team. But uh, anyway, Staz Newsom adds depth. I guess he'll be competing with Riley Ridley. Marquise Goodwin, they just signed for the Niners. And then uh, Demir Bird, they just signed yesterday. So there's some depth at receiver. I don't know how good a depth it is yet. Mm-hmm. But uh, Newsom, I saw a couple, play, and he's also a pretty good returner, so he might be might be there. Graham, Thomas Graham from Oregon, a cornerback who opted out of 2020, but he did play, I think started 40 straight games for Oregon before the 2020 season. Um, from what I read, if he came out earlier or, or played in 2020, he might have been like a fourth rounder. Um, but... I think cornerback is a spot that I'm most most concerned about as far as depth. Jalen Johnson's obviously, you know, the one starter. Um, their second rounder last year, they signed Desmond Trufant and Artie Burns, but I don't feel great about that position. So I don't know who's going to be the the opposite of Johnson. And then the seventh round, they get Tonga from BYU, who sounds to be sounds like he's a a run stuffer, kind of a one trick pony. Um, but last year they didn't have Eddie Goldman. I think he, he opted out because of COVID, but he'll be back. But probably be a backup to Goldman at least. Uh, and they really struggled against the run last year. Yeah. Um, that was a huge change from the last couple of years. So any thoughts on, on uh, the rest of the draft after uh, Fields? Well, I, uh, I I love the Jenkins pick. I think I think he would have been a good pick first round. You know, yeah. with, without the field deal situation happening. So, yeah. would have been happy with that. Um, hopefully he is, like, kind of like your franchise lineman. You know, somebody's going to stick around for a long time and, and stay injury-free. 
I, I don't know much about these guys. The cornerback situation interests me because because of the, the hole in our secondary that seems to it always seems to be on one side or both sides. And yeah. I feel pretty good about the defense, the defensive line, mm-hmm. the linebackers. Um, yeah. The safety situation should be okay, but that cornerback. <clears throat> been a while since you know. Yeah, people looked at Fuller like he was. I don't even think Kyle Fuller was that good. You know, like that's the problem is that that Fuller's been there since Kyle Fuller's been there because he wasn't that good. Of, I think I liked Fuller more than you did. I just I did not because I, I thought he was pretty good. Well, at least he made some plays, but it was like he also got beat a lot. Right? He did. He did. And I just he's not a lockdown corner. And, and I don't know if we're going to eventually need to get that in Chicago, like just to solidify that defense, because I think we need that. Uh, there's too many good receivers in the league to not have somebody that can shut them, just shut a guy down one on one. But yeah, I, I don't really know most of these kids that are there in this draft. And I, you get down there with these dads, new. So I like him because I like his name. That's a good name. And the things that I've heard about him <laughs> seem to be pretty positive, but. Um, yeah, see, and, and, and I, I thought the same thing of Riley Ridley uh, two years ago. I thought, oh, man, his brother, he's good, and he's going to come in and he's going to play. And then I've seen him like two games. Right. <laughs> Never – I mean, he's always on the roster, but he's always inactive. Um, I, yeah, the, the the secondary as a whole, I I mean, Trufant or, or whoever starts opposite of Johnson, I don't know about. And then, uh, you know, Eddie Jackson didn't have a great year last year. But I still feel like he'll bounce back, and then the strong safeties to Sean Gibson. I, I don't, I don't remember a lot of his plays last year. I'll be honest. Eddie Jackson. Let's go there for a second. The uh, uh, Instagram post or tweet that I had about <laughs> yeah. having a real quarterback. I, I appreciate that because that's just throwing Mitch under the bus hard. And <laughs> Mitch is minding his own business in yeah, Buffalo now. It's, it's like I didn't deserve that at all. I didn't he say it's about time we get a we got a real quarterback. About time we got a real quarterback. That's, that's tough. That is. And Nick Foles is still in the roster, so. <laughs> and Andy Dalton, they just signed him. So I, I don't. I don't think Eddie running. Jackson's talking much to Nick Foles or Andy Dalton. I doubt. It doesn't seem. <laughs> I don't like think it. he's worried about it. <laughs> um, Nick Foles and Andy Dalton might be best friends, though. They look like they might be. Like, they just, they, just they like should get along. Uh, they got quite a bit of money. Wrapped up in 2021 between Dalton and uh, Nick Foles, actually, unfortunately. Uh, Nick Foles has got to go down as one of those deals where, you know, you're just like, why? Like, now that it's all, it's like, why? What was the point of that? I don't know if they're trying to catch lightning in a bottle. And just money, just down the drain. It's really just, I mean, I mean and they're, they're stuck with them this year because, you, and, I mean, unless you can find some just – Sorry, like staff of a team Maybe to, to take him in for a trade for a seventh rounder, but I don't. You're stuck with Foles as your third stringer, and he's making over six million dollars in 2021. Somebody gets hurt somewhere in the fourth quarter. Maybe need a solid third stringer in there. Um, we did. I did see that we uh, kind of locked down our kicking situation, and. Santos was really good last oh, year. Santos was great. I mean, he was great. 
And and I think O'Donnell's a pretty good punter. So I mean, to have yeah. those two taken care of, I mean, yeah, as a kind of, the, the special teams are really important in the NFL winning games. And we know how much a, a kicker can ruin your your winner, you know, and your off season because uh, yeah. we just had that happen not long. It's, that was one of the moments where you wonder what what happens if that kick goes in. What does that change the entire course of the franchise? It could. Yeah. It could have. I mean, who knows? They they might go to the Super Bowl that year. Um, I really think they had a chance. Yeah. Um, I, w- I want to talk about. So you know, we talked about them releasing Kyle Fuller. That was probably their biggest name that they they let go. Um, Buster Screen they released. He was the slot corner. Um, he he replaced Bryce Callahan, who was actually really good uh, under the Fangio system, and I think we missed him last year. And Buster Screen was not was not great. Um, they placed the franchise tag on Robinson. Um, couldn't get a deal done with him in uh, 2020, so he'll be on the franchise tag this year, and uh, he'll be a free agent after this year. So. I guess my point is, um, the, so the fields, the fields thing is great, and I feel, I feel excited and I'm optimistic. But then, like this could still go, this could still go bad. Oh, I, I mean, this could, I mean, Robinson leaves. Say they trade Miller uh, for whatever, and then next year, next year they're starting or the number one receiver is Darnell Mooney, and um, the the offensive line is not settled for sure. Um, and, and this is something we were talking about before we recorded that you know they did just release uh, release Charles Leno this week, and he Leno wasn't a good left tackle. He wasn't good. I don't think he was like the worst, but was he making more than he needed to? Yeah, for wasn't sure. The worst, he just overpaid. Yeah, overpaid seventh rounder. I mean, he carved out a pretty good career for himself as a seventh rounder, but. Was that the right play? I don't know. I mean, maybe the right play was keeping Leno and, and starting Jenkins on the right side, and then you know you have Daniels at left guard and Whitehair at center, um, and either Bars or uh, Mustafer at right guard. I don't know. But now you're probably going to have to start Jenkins at left tackle, which he has not played. If Fetty comes in, he's going to play right tackle. I don't know. I don't know if that was the smartest play if you're trying to protect Fields. Right. I, mean, I know they were trying to save money, and I get they're they're up against the cap. Like I think they're thirty first in the league as far as cap space. So I know they're trying to save money, but why not release Jimmy Graham? Jimmy Graham, you could you could have saved seven million if you released him before June first. Um, you obviously have developed Colcomet. Uh, Colcomet's probably going to start this year. I mean, Jimmy Graham's thirty five. It's I mean, he was a good red zone threat last year, but if if your your intent is protecting your rookie franchise quarterback, I'd rather I'd rather keep a guy that's a solid lineman, at least average, to a guy that's an overpaid past his prime tight end. Yeah, I mean, it's it's, it's depth, if nothing else. I mean, I think the the depth of the line has uh, hurt us in the past, and I, 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 that's. So many things can go wrong with all of this. I mean, Chicago is pretty notorious for, you know, I think, quarterback situation. It's screwing everything yeah, up. Yeah, they just don't <laughs> handle things right. And that's why there's so much 
uncertainty on my end of how do I want to how do I want to see them handle this because if they end up handling it the way I think they should and then he's all screwed up and, and somehow we end up trading him in four years you know to Buffalo because you you want to think this is the best quarterback in the draft you know this is going to be the guy that comes out of this draft and you're like in, in ten years and you're like that was the guy right. that we needed to have and we got. Him. You just don't know that, and, and the way that these things go, sometimes it's it's about the system and about the coaching and probably about the development. And I think he has all the pieces. It is the, the coaching staff with Chicago have all the right pieces to to do the right things to get this kid to be as successful as we all want him to be. I mean, we we questioned. I think we both liked Mitch. We thought, I think we both thought he could have played better, but I think he probably deserved a little bit better coaching. For sure, I uh, and I don't, I don't, I don't think they, I don't think they did him any favors. That's for sure. I personally, I was thinking about this today when I was just doing a little bit of homework for this, but like, I'm not sure that Mitch's career is like over. You know, like I don't, oh, I, don't I think he right. will land on a team and he will have some success. Is he going to be? You know the next Pat Mahomes, no, but like he he can he can run a team and he he's athletic enough and he's got the tools. I just think you get you get that guy with the right coaches and, and he could he could still be a star in the league. Let's see what happens if uh, Josh Allen gets hurt this year. Maybe Luke misses a couple games and Mitch has to come in and play. I mean, with a a pretty good offensive coach, offensive system there in Buffalo. I'm I'm interested to see if he can kind of rejuvenate things. Um, I don't think he's done at all. But that's your fear is that, the, that now it's up to the Chicago Bears to not ruin a quarterback. And it hasn't happened. And just yeah, I mean that's where you. I mean this goes back to Cade McNown for us. You know, I remember I was so excited they drafted him. I think in '98 or '99. Did, did you have a McNown jersey? Uh, no. 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 I think the only quarterback jersey I've had is is Jay's. That's, that's the only one yeah. that's unique. Yeah, um, I, I still love Jay Cutler. I'm not I still love Jay too. I don't know why. There's just something about that guy. He's a tough, tough dude. Funny. Yeah. And, uh, he 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 still probably should have got us to a Super Bowl. I mean, that's the deepest anybody's got us in a while. So um, since since Rex. Since Rex. <laughs> uh, what about – okay, so they, they – they, as far as the coaching goes, they, they got um, John Filippo as quarterback's coach. He was there in Philly when Carson Wentz had his – probably would have been his MVP season before he tore his ACL. Um, so he's been in that system too. I think that's a help. That's a, that's a positive compared to what they've had. Um, someone to really to help develop the quarterback. Um, I mean, I do think Nagy has a good creative offensive mind, and and maybe he tailored the system to Mitch and, and his limitations. And maybe with Fields, he feels like he he can open up the playbook and go down the field more. Uh, I don't know yet, but I want to I want to see I want to see Nagy really become the offensive wizard that he supposedly is. Um, what's your what's your thought on Rodgers? What's going to happen? Oh, man, I wanted him. You know, like, when everything started, like, 
swirling around that he's going to get traded, and I'm like, this would be perfect for us because if we could get Rodgers, he hates Green Bay right now, and he's going to want revenge on them, and he would love to go to the Chicago Bears just to get revenge on Green Bay. And just and it, for a while, it seemed like it was going to work out. Like, that would be perfect. Now, obviously, I don't want him in our division. You know? Like, I love Aaron Rodgers as a player. I mean, he's a it's awesome. So good. Yeah. And it sucks that he's on the Packers because I would, I would I'd like him a lot more if he wasn't on the Packers. But I would like to see him go. I, I think it's a it's a weird situation. And, you know, I think Davis and I were talking about this over the weekend that just do like Gronk did, you know, just retire. Mm-hmm. Come back to wherever you want and then go win a Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. You know, it's – kind of awesome that they the player has that much control because they should you know like it's kind of a messed up deal but it is their career these are the guys getting concussions and possibly brain injuries down the road playing this this violent game they should be able to play it wherever they want and if he's not happy there for whatever reason he should be able to get the hell out of it however he has to do it i would hate to see him take a year off to make it happen but i also wouldn't put it past him he's got those state farm commercials (laughs) <laughs> and, and a lot of other shit going on. Jeopardy, yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's yeah. Jeopardy. I mean, he's he's fine. Like he's yeah. always dating some. That's who right. is it now? Uh, Shailene Woodley, is that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is engaged? Maybe I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah I I think uh, the longer this goes, and the more stuff comes out, and stuff just came out today that he's he was texting guys, free agents, not to come to the Packers because he wouldn't be there. Uh, <laughs> So I think the more like stuff that comes out, he, I mean, he compared the GM to uh, Jerry Krause, GM of the Bulls, when Jordan was there, and mm-hmm. Jordan hated Krause. And so I think the more that comes out, I just think it's less and less likely he's there. Um, Where does he end up? Well, I mean, I think I think it starts with the Broncos. It seems like as far as as what a fit would be. Do you think that's who's, why they didn't draft a quarterback? I mean, they did they did acquire Bridgewater, um, and they they had Drew Locke, who's not very good. But uh, I don't I don't know. That could be. But I think they're one piece away. They have they have a really good set of receivers and pretty good defense. I think they're they're pretty close. They just need a quarterback to get them over the top. So I think it starts there. I, I know I I to me I think he wants to be on the West Coast. I think the 49ers would have been a nice fit for him. I think he's a California guy. Grew up in California. I, I think. If, I mean, this the whole the whole Fields draft pick, and then Rodgers getting traded. It would just be unbelievable because the, the the division will flip completely. With I mean, the, the Packers are a different team when Rodgers isn't on the field. It's just it's the way it is. And uh, so, and do you think that the, the Rodgers thing has more to do with the, the relationship between Rodgers and the GM, or does this, this, what's this support? Does Jordan Love, is that his name? Yeah. Yeah. Like, that, did that really bother Rodgers to the point to where that, you know, like. I think that might have been like the, the, like the, the last straw because okay. it sounds like it, his dis, dislike for the GM in the front office has been going on a while. Okay. And then drafting Jordan Love, Jordan Love with the first rounder last year. Um, I mean, it was reported that he, he wasn't thrilled. So I, I think it's been happening. Why I think I think it's completely driven by the front office. But Rogers seems super petty, 
Mm-hmm. And like, if he's not, ha- he, I mean, he's, he might just sit out. I mean, he could just sit out the season too. I mean, I guess that's a possibility. But uh, I, and I kind of respect guys that are just <laughs> that are so petty that if they don't like the GM, they're just not playing. I mean, kind of got to respect that. I mean, it's such a power. Move. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean he's a superstar in the NFL. Yeah, and he doesn't have a lot of time left. So. Yeah, I mean, it's not like. Yeah, he, he he's he's got to kind of protect himself, but I guess he's already there, and it, there is something that I respect about pettiness as well. I don't know why it seems like it would be the opposite, but for me, it's like yeah, I like it. it's what he's got such a, a strong belief in whatever it is that that he has against this GM that he's willing to just not play football next year, and I think that's kind of cool. I mean, every day at work, I'm like. I'll just go home if you wanted me to do that. And then it's, so it's kind of the same thing. Yeah, yeah. Okay. You and Aaron Rodgers, it's pretty much the same situation. Yeah, we'll probably be hanging out soon. Uh, all right. Let's uh, see if the Bears can, uh, I don't know, piece something together in 2021. And uh, it's going to be fun to see what happens in the offseason, if there's any other moves they make, see if there's any other free agents that are out there. And, uh finalize this roster before start of the season so yeah it should be a it should be a fun year I, i'm really excited about just getting to preseason now you know and i was i think i said the only thing that can ruin this feeling is is playing the games and getting pissed about the games again because right. the, the anticipation yeah. and the excitement's great right now but the only thing that can ruin it is is the product and it will <laughs> there's going to be there's going to be some moments i i know there always is but but there is hope, and there's hope for the future of the team, and uh, I think we all needed it. Because I think a lot of Bears fans were just down about everything that was going on. So this is this is fun, and uh, maybe we'll have uh, another conversation when it gets closer to the season. Yep. And uh, see how he's developing to that point. Yep. All right. Thanks for being here, Tim. Fun as always. Appreciate it. All right. Coming up next will be a review of the Minnesota Vikings offseason. Sunday, May 16th, the Three Rivers Golf Tour will be playing the Skyline Chili Open at Cobblestone Golf Course in Kendallville. You have until Thursday, May 13th, to register if you want to play on threeriversgolf.com. It's 3rvrsgolf.com. You can uh, sign up for the gross division or the net division if you want to play with your handicap. It's a great spot in the net division. Uh, Great tour, and this is going to be a really, really fun tournament to play in. Cobblestone is a great track. Uh, You can really take advantage of some some par fives out there, and then there's some other holes that are really, really challenging. Really good place to play a good round of golf on a Sunday. Check it out. Joining me now to talk about the Minnesota Vikings, uh, one of the, I guess, rivals and nemesis of my team, the Chicago Bears, uh, Alex Becker is here. Alex, welcome to the show. First time uh, joining me. Yeah, thanks uh, Thanks for having me. You know, I've been listening to you guys and, and always entertaining, and you guys are definitely on a hot streak when it comes to golf. So uh, really happy with everything I have been doing. So thanks for having yeah. me. Yeah, it's uh, – the hot streak has cooled off quite a bit the last uh, four or five events, but uh, you know you can't you can't hit outright winners in golf like every week. I, I think people need to understand how hard that is. But we had a good run there in February, March for sure. Um, 
I definitely wanted to have you on uh, to talk about the Vikings as, as a huge Vikings fan and uh, part of this NFC North recap pod. Um, of course, we're recapping everyone except the Green Bay Packers because who's really a fan of the Packers? Yeah, we don't need to talk I, about them. Although I know your wife is, who is uh, um, your wife is is cousins with my wife, so that's how you and I know each other. But um, we can definitely talk about uh, the Packers at the very end and and the whole situation with Aaron Rodgers. Get your take on that. But first, starting off with the Vikings, and I I, I want to start to get your your take and and what is the average Vikings fan take on where the franchise has been in the last few years? What you know the direction is is our fans happy with the front office with Spielman as the GM, Zimmer as a coach, and and I guess the overall stance on Kirk Cousins uh, heading this whole thing up. Yeah, um, you know it's I would say it's about fifty fifty with the fan base. You know Spielman does a good job drafting. He usually gets a ton of draft capital, ton of seventh rounders that don't always pan out, but I do like the aggressiveness and getting as many guys into the building and see if you can get that gem. Um, so I do like what Spielman's doing. I think he knocked this draft out of the park, and we'll get to that later. Yeah, um, but Zimmer, you know, there's weeks where his defense is on fire and, and they're doing anything and everything they want to an offense and they can't do anything. And then there's times where his defense completely falls apart and he's supposed to be this big defensive guru. So it's it's been frustrating at times with him. I think he's a phenomenal D coordinator. I don't know and I'm not sold on him as a head coach yet. And, I mean, we're getting to, what, year seven now with him? So, I mean, it's, it's kind of make or break for him at this point. Great. Uh, last season, you guys were seven and nine. You were kind of – hanging around that sixth seed, seventh seed for, for quite a while, then kind of a rough rough end to the season, and, and you fell out of the playoff picture, which, you know, I, I don't know if it matters because, you know, as my bear showed, if you're the seventh seed and you're not very good, it doesn't doesn't really matter. Um, but I think there was an obvious need in the off season with where the offensive line was at the end of the season and then just how poorly the defense played. Now, the defense did have a lot of injuries, uh, you know, couple of your best players uh but i mean was that was that the point of emphasis in the off season those two positions i guess those two areas i i mean i would say so our two out of the three first picks in the draft this year was o-line and two instant starters um so that kind of takes place of those those two weak spots on our line you know we got rid of riley reef he mm-hmm. went over to uh the Bengals, so we had a big need at left tackle um with derisaw and then left guard we signed or we got a draft or uh we traded for Cole out of Arizona and he, you know, he's serviceable, but I'm glad that we went after Wyatt Davis in the third round. So I think our offensive line will be a strength this year. If those rookies can play well right out of the gate. Um, and then defensively, I mean, three of our top guys were all hurt for three fourths of the year. So it's like, we're getting three free agents this coming year as well. So I like, I like the way this defense is getting set up. I think it's going to be back to that hellfire Zimmer defense and, uh, we're going to be tough. Um, one of the lightning rods, I guess, lightning rod discussions in the NFL to me is Kirk Cousins. Um, I, I think, oh, I think just, yeah. just, just based on his, I think how much money he has made in his career is kind of the first point, and and the second is that he's never really won much, but I think he's kind of been, you know, anointed in some ways, at least coming from, from Washington over to Minnesota. And 
I don't know. It, what's your take on Cousins? I know we're coming into the final year of his guaranteed money, um, if, if, I'm, if I'm seeing that right. Um, so as a Vikings fan, where are you at with Kirk? You know, we, we all know who Cousins is. He's not a guy who's going to go out there and win you games by himself. He's not a Patrick Mahomes. He's not an Aaron Rodgers. You know, even Tom Brady to a point, um, he's not that. Uh, the money he's getting is treating him as if he is that type of player, but he's not. He needs a great supporting staff. He needs a great wide receiving core. He needs a good running back, and he needs a solid offensive line in front of him, at least above average, for him to put up numbers and not turn the ball over. So, But you could argue he – he has that on paper. I mean, with, with Jefferson and Thielen, uh, Dalvin Cook is maybe one of the uh, top three running back in the league. And if the offensive line is improved, there's, I mean, it's really set up for him this season. Right. And I think this is the year that he needs to put his money where, where his mouth, where his money is basically not his money, where his mouth is because he's getting that money already, but <laughs> yeah, he's, he's got, that. He, he's got everything around him this year for him to be successful. So I'm glad we drafted Mond in the third round. I think this puts a fire under uh, Cousins' butt a little bit because he, he, at this point he has no more excuses. They put a team around him. He has the staff. It's got to be this year. Clint Kubiak, the offensive coordinator, of course, Gary's son, uh, was, he, was he part of the staff last year? Is that correct? He was, yeah. He was the, I believe, quarterback's coach and assistant O'Cord. Okay. Um, talking about the draft, I, I want to talk about that because I thought – I agree with you. I thought they had an awesome draft. I thought they were – Spielman was really smart. And, of course, starting with the, the first-round pick, being at number 14, being able to trade down, uh, grab additional picks later on in the draft, and still get the guy that they need in Darisol. That was, that, was, that was clearly the position of need, and he might be your left tackle for the next 10 seasons. Right. I mean, he might be the best left tackle we've had since we drafted Brian McKinney in, gosh, I think 2002. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, we've been in left tackle purgatory here for solid 10 years. Yeah. Um, that's so a spot I'm fact, familiar with as well. <laughs> right. I think the fact that he had his choice between Christian, Christian Derrissaw at 14 or even AVT out of USC. He had his pick of the litter, and he trusted himself enough to trade back and still go get his guy at 23 and collect those two extra third-rounders. So I think right there alone is a win in itself. Uh, everything I read uh, after the draft, there, I mean, there was definitely some rumors out there that the, the Vikings were, were interested in, in trading up for uh, my guy. Uh, I'm going to call him my guy now, Justin Fields. Um, obviously... You know, we don't know the whole story there, um, but that's that's an interesting thought. Now they do get Kellen Mond in the third round. Um, I'm I'm a little bit torn on him. I, when I saw him in A&M last year, I, I I didn't wasn't sure if he was a pro. Now he is only 21, um, and he might be the perfect developmental guy uh, to at least sit behind Cousins this year and, and Maybe if they, you know, they keep presence for next year as well. Maybe a two-year project where he could be the guy of the future potentially. Yeah, I could see that too. You know, he he is only 21, but he was a four-year starter um, in college. So I think he's got some inconsistencies that he needs to work on. Um, 
I think they need to get him with a with a movement coach and work a lot of play action and use that running ability. To me, he's a little Kirk Cousins 2.0. Mm-hmm. You know, he's not going to go out and sling the ball all over the place, but he will be he'll you know throw an accurate ball. But they need to get him outside the pocket and also use his legs as a threat. Third round, they get uh, Wyatt Davis, uh, who potentially could start at guard. Um, I know they have Ezra Cleveland, um, but he might Davis might go to left guard. It seems like. Um, so that, I mean, they might be all set now with uh, the line. I mean, getting two guys that could potentially come in and start right away and fill the need. That uh, we, we know we know Dalvin Cook doesn't need much room, but man, if this line is anywhere improved from where it was last year, I mean, Cook could be just an absolute monster. Yeah, he might he might be a dark horse for a, a two thousand yard rusher this year. Mm-hmm. Um, both Wyatt Davis and Darius are great in the zone blocking scheme that the Vikings run. Um, uh, left tackle, Darisaw for sure, he's day one starter. But to get Wyatt Davis in the third and still be a day one starter, I mean, that's big. We're, we're going to be big up front because I think both those boys are over 305, 310, and they can move, which is perfect for our zone blocking scheme. They, the Vikings just had a lot of picks, uh, just, I mean, just period, in this draft. Um, I mean, they got a couple guys in the fourth round, a couple in the fifth. Um, anyone else you like that they got further down the board there uh, on the in the draft? You know, also in the third, we took that Chaz Surratt out of uh, UNC, that linebacker. He's a converted yes. quarterback. Um, he's an absolute athletic freak. He is a developmental prospect, but I do like him at that Will Backer or even taking over next year um, for Anthony Barr because he restructured his contract. So basically, he's he's a free agent after this year. Um, so if he doesn't play up to a new contract, I think Surratt can uh, jump right in there on that strong side um, linebacker and get after the quarterback a little bit. Um, I also like the Patrick Jones pick at the end of the third. Uh, he's a lanky athletic freak, um, kind of built like Daniil Hunter. Mm-hmm. And, and you're seeing that Zimmer, that Zimmer DN right there, and they've got another one in the, in the fourth, I believe. Yeah, Janarius Robinson. They're both really lanky, really athletic. Mm-hmm. A um, couple things they need to tweak, but Patterson, that defensive line coach, he could work wonders with those two. And we needed to get after our pass rush a little bit because I think we were ranked 29th in pass rush last year. And having Daniil hurt all year, that hurt a lot. Um, but him coming back is going to be big. How did you feel about the uh, Patrick Peterson uh, uh, pickup in, in, in free agency? You know, we're going to see if he has anything left in the tank here. I think yeah. 10, 10 million was a little rich. After, he kind of had a disappointing 2020 season, but he does bring in that veteran presence that our young rookies um, and second-year players need. Um, I think he's worth the risk. I think he can kind of shore up that back end. Um, he's kind of playing for that next contract, or otherwise he's going to be a, a year contract guy the rest of his career. Yeah, one-year deal. Um, they they let go. Kyle Rudolph, um, and they also let go. Well, we already talked about Riley Reef, but not not a. I mean, not a ton of major losses, uh, really. You know, to the, the core of this team. I mean, that's right. I mean, and I, I can I can I can see the optimism because, like we said, the two weak areas that um, that you could you could 
notice from 2020, the offensive line and just a defensive period, but they get they get Hunter back, obviously, and, and Barr missed a lot of games too, right, because of injury? Yep. Um, and Kendricks. I, mean, I think Kendricks and, missed and Kendricks, yeah. six games as well. And, I mean, he's probably the best middle linebacker in the NFL right now, coverage-wise, run-stuffing-wise, run and it, he hurt being gone for six games. Yeah, so they – they shore up the weak areas, and, you know, you could argue they weren't that far off uh, anyways from the playoffs. So you could definitely understand the optimism there. Um, I, I, to, I, again, to me, it just it comes down to Cousins just doing what he needs to do and facilitating, you know, all the talent that is, is here in this offense. I love Justin Jefferson. Um, I thought that, that worked out so brilliantly last year, uh, you know, you know, the whole dig situation, but you, you really, it was kind of an even trade, really, and they got a lot younger at that position, and Jefferson looks like he could be a pro bowler, you know, in the future, so I I love their skill positions. It's, uh, it's to me, it's just, it's all about Kirk. Oh, I would agree 100%. Yep. Uh, Jefferson also a lot cheaper, so it lets us put money uh, other places that, w- that was needed as well. Um but yeah, it's gonna as, as Kirk Cousins goes, the team goes. So, like I told, like I said earlier, it's gonna be this is a make or break year for him. Uh, and now you you're feeling optimistic because you you've already placed a couple bets um, with your your bookie here. <laughs> I did, yeah. I did. Um, um, and and what were those bets again? So uh, win total uh, eight point five over. I picked the over on eight eight and a half. Um, Last year, with our defense decimated and our off, our offense played really well. Actually, we were fourth in the league, I think, in offense. Um, but I think with us shoring up the offensive line and that defense is going to come back reloaded. I don't see any reason why we can't hit the over an eight and a half. And then I also put money on making the playoffs. The way I looked at it is, if you win over eight and a half games, you're about guaranteed that seven seed at, at the minimum. Right. So I put a couple bets on both of those. Yeah, I I think those are smart plays. I think if 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 they are healthy and and you know, you know these these uh, draft picks and the the holes that they filled in free agency, I, I really think it, it should come to fruition uh, this season. I want to get your thoughts real quickly on on the Aaron Rodgers situation uh, in Green Bay. Um, to me. It, Last weekend was was just a great weekend as a Bears fan with uh, you know us drafting Justin Fields and potentially getting our future left tackle to protect him, and then you know all of this Rodgers drama going on. I thought this could this is the best weekend of my life. Rodgers might not be a Packer by the end of you know draft weekend, and we get our franchise quarterback. Um, of course, he's still with the team, but there's news that's coming out every day, and it just sounds like progressively more unlikely that he's going to be a Packer, you know, come the start of the season. Do you agree? Oh, I 100% agree. I was talking to my father last week and I said it was, you know, it's almost Christmas in April because Aaron Rodgers makes the Packers go. He has no one around him besides Devontae Adams. Aaron Jones is, is decent, but Aaron Rodgers is absolutely unreal and wins them games left and right. So to hear him saying that he doesn't even want to come back, it is absolutely Christmas, and it opens up the whole division. I mean, I mean, really, I mean, really, the Bears and Vikings most likely, um, you know, to compete. 
Uh, and, of course, you know, we don't know what the Packers will end up, you know, who will end up playing quarterback if it goes that way. Will it be Jordan Love? Will it be someone else? Um, you know, I'm not sure. But, I mean, you could definitely expect an entirely different team because Rodgers is just uh, – the way he played last year, you know, winning the MVP and just just being dominant in every facet of the game, um, it, it would be a – it would be a huge game changer for the whole NFC North if it goes that way. Um, so we'll see. Um, uh, Alex, I appreciate you coming on, talking about the Vikings, talking about the North. Um, can't wait to see what happens when the season starts, uh, especially when the Vikings and Bears play, and see if you guys can shut down Justin Fields. Yeah, and we got to get around that defense, too. <laughs> you guys are pretty stacked. It's a, it, this division, honestly – Especially with that Rogers news, this division is wide open for the taking. So it's it's who's going to come up to speed quickest and and stay probably healthiest, and that's going to end up uh, winning it. So I appreciate it, Alex. Yeah, thanks for having me on, Phil. Appreciate it. Coming up next, we're going to talk about the Detroit Lions with our friend Brandon. Coming up. Hey guys, I want to take a second to talk to you real quick about one of our partners. The Golf Garage in Fort Wayne, even though the weather is nice and uh, we can start playing golf outside, you can still go to the Golf Garage and work on your golf game. Use the TrackMan simulators to get the numbers on your, your swing, ball speed, club head speed, whatever it may be. Uh, also go there to get help with fittings, uh, club repair, uh, new grips, all that. And also the shop's got a ton of great equipment, golf bags, golf shoes, uh, clubs. I've gotten a new golf bag recently and new shoes as well. Uh, check out the Golf Garage again on the north side of Fort Wayne and their website at golfgaragefw.com. Joining me to discuss the Detroit Lions, uh, the state of the organization, uh, moving, <laughs> moving into a, a brand new period with a new coach, new quarterback, hopefully different results than it's been for the last, I don't know, 50 years, is uh, Brandon Thornton. Uh, Brandon, first time on the pod. Welcome. Uh, thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me, Phil. It's great to see you. Great to great for the opportunity. Uh, yeah. Listen, no one is more well-versed to talk about the Lions than you. And to just talk about the heartbreak and the just the kind of the gloom that's been over this organization for a long time. Before we get to that, I, I want to just share something with the listeners. Uh, something that made me laugh quite a bit earlier. We were trying to organize what time we were going to talk tonight, and you said you had to do it at a certain time because of your children potentially being in meltdown mode during bedtime. Uh, do you want to do you want to talk about that real quick? <laughs> no, I've had enough trauma in my life today. Uh, I mean, if anyone could commiserate with you, it's me. Now, I, luckily, I think my kids are old enough because they're kind of past that point. Um, but uh, those are mine should be. Mine should be. You just never know, though, right? You never know. Exactly. Um, okay, so the Detroit Lions. Uh, the Matt Patricia era was, was kind of a nightmare. Uh, he was kind oh, of was a mess. He was kind of a nightmare. It was a mess. Um, I, I actually liken it to the Mike Martz as the offensive coordinator. It was someone that came in, thought they knew everything, and everyone had to fit to his mantra lockstep. You have to fit to me. I'm not fitting to my talent. Um, you know, when you have people that think they're the smartest people in the room and it's their way or their highway, that's typically how it goes. Um, and his positional coaches that he brought in reinforced that mentality. 
to me, it, it also demonstrated that some guys are just – they're meant to be coordinators or position coaches, and they're not meant to be head coaches. I mean, there, there's there's a lot of guys in this league, like a Mike Martz. It was a perfect example. Great offensive mind. Probably just never should have been a head coach. Although he, he did lead the Rams to a Super Bowl appearance, but Patricia just seemed like he was ill-prepared to be a head coach, and it's kind of weird with the Belichick coaching tree, isn't it? I mean, there's been um, – Yeah, I was thinking about that a little bit, and uh, I, I honestly think it has to do with – and I think this is what also led in part to Caldwell not having the success he should have. Um, it's that you have a lot of guys that grew up in the old verbally abusive system of coaching. And that doesn't work for most players now, especially the, of the elite ones. The elite ones want to have their voice heard and want to make an impact in society in a positive way. And, they don't take well to the demeaning um, aspect of that old, old-fashioned old style of coaching. Not that it's not difficult or not high expectations, but the belittling a person for a minor mistake instead of teaching them and showing them how to improve. And I think that's a huge difference in the mentality of players coming up and in um, what's led to a lot of failure when Detroit tries to get tough and reestablish a culture. Right. Um, you know, you go back to, was it morning wig? Um, <laughs> and he was going to do that, but it's, you know, that, that went back to the Millen era where there's a lack of talent as well. But if you just berate your players, when instead of teaching them, they don't come up. And I brought up the Caldwell thing because like Lake and Tomlinson are one of our offensive guards. We drafted really high. He's, what, out on the West Coast now and played for, was it San Fran maybe? Um, and he's doing great, and he's a great player. But under Caldwell, he didn't do well because the offensive line coach, the positional coach underneath him, was verbally, mentally abusive to him as opposed to teaching him and building him up. That's an interesting thought because I, I think the perception is around, you know, guys in the NFL that, you know, that, once you get to the NFL, maybe some of the teaching ends, but maybe it shouldn't. And I think maybe there's that's that's the wrong way of thinking, especially young guys. They still need, you know, two three years in the league. They still need developed and uh, to become, you know, to maximize their capability to reach their ceiling. So my question is: Is Dan Campbell is Dan Campbell that guy then? Yeah. And I know why you can't went that angle, and I, and I and I thought that's where you're going to come on this because he does. He sounds a lot like Marty Morningwig. That we're going to get tough, and we're going to be the toughest guys, and we're going to knock you down. I was going to say and he's the, probably the first practice he's going to do the Oklahoma drill like he did in Miami a few years ago. <laughs> I mean, that's what, I don't know. That's what he's famous for was that that story. The very first practice right. of, as an interim coach, he the old school Oklahoma drill, you know, with the, the one-on-one tackling kind of mentality, got to get tougher. And I, so I, I hope, I hope for your sake that he's the guy. I just, I just don't know. Right. And, and, and I, I don't have a problem with the tougher as long as it's not, I think that that switches that demeaning aspect. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like you can have people get tougher and you can do really tough drills without, you know, insulting their manhood and saying, you know, they like to, you know, look at your blabbing on the guy's jock strap on social media or whatever, however that interaction went down. Um, so I really think that's the issue. It's, it's not the t- 
toughness. I think it's how you treat them in the toughness. Um, And I take that attitude sort of as, you know, coming. I'm a teacher. And so, like, you set these high expectations, but you do everything you can to help them meet their high expectations of whether it's physicality or talent or execution are fine as long as you're helping the people you're leading get to that point. If you're demeaning them, then they're not going to, they're not going to perform for you. I want to transition to, uh, I mean, so the coaching staff has been overhauled. Uh, Yes. Their franchise quarterback of the last, I guess, what, 12 seasons, uh, Matt Stafford gone. And this, I this is a team looking for a brand new identity, a lot of new players, uh, a lot of young players. Uh, first of all, talk about talk about the Stafford trade. What were Lions fans' reaction to that? And I mean, this is a guy that became really solid in the community, um, and he really found his. I mean, I guess his spot in the league with Detroit, and he was injured mm-hmm. injured a lot early in his career, but. He became known as a guy that was really tough, played through a ton of injuries, and really carried that team for the last four or five years. Yeah. Um, I think he carried his team longer than that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, like, Lions fans are split. There's this whole section that respect Matthew Stafford, and then there's this whole sec- section of the fan base that just absolutely can't stand him and think he's the reason we failed. They're wrong. Uh, <laughs> I would agree. I'll um, agree. I think, and and I know it's cuts a little close to home for you, but in like I've heard a lot of national, some national pundits at least a few years ago compare him to basically he's Jay Cutler, and I would say that's not the same as well. I did. That. You did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I would say different. Um. And I think what I was borderline like I I always believed he was talented, and he was not the fault of why we were struggling. Um, I think since Calvin Johnson retired, I think you saw that even more. And I have to admit, when Calvin Johnson was um, elected to the Hall of Fame, I think what I saw was looking at some of those clips, he was putting passes to Calvin Johnson. Yes, it was to Calvin Johnson, but he was putting them in, in holes the size of basketballs to where the only person on earth that could have caught that was Calvin. Like, you go through the highlight clip clip of every one of their touchdown passes back and forth and you're just like yeah no that at least 90 percent of those was ball placement um and i think lions fans across the board are going to be in for a rude awakening when he's not there um i I think we will miss him and realize the talent um and it's it'll be a shame to it's it's sad to see him go but at the as an organization, it was the right decision. When you are going to a full rebuild, you can't have a huge contract on an old quarterback. And that's just, that's true for any rebuild. Um, To do so is to handicap yourself because your good veteran quarterback is going to win you just enough games so you can't get valuable draft picks. Yeah, I think think it was the right move too. So they, they, they get Jared Groff back from the Rams and they get a 2021 third rounder, 22 first rounder, first, and a 23 yep. first rounder. So they did get quite a haul back. Um, my question now is Jared Goff. He's, uh, how do you, <laughs> I, I mean, he's not terrible, but 
he's a downgrade from Stafford. A hundred percent, he's a downgrade. But he's been in a winning organization. He knows what it takes. He's been to a Super Bowl. I mean, so he at least understands that pressure. Um, and I think I, reading all the local beat writers and stuff like that, um, Burkett, um, Rogers, um, Meineke, um, hopefully I said their names right. Um, no, they, I don't know if they're listening. Shout out, guys. Yeah. <laughs> they uh, love their stuff, but uh, they I even paid to actually read their articles, too. So, you know. <laughs> <laughs> But I love their um, – they, they pointed out that the receivers they brought in, which aren't great receivers statistically, like, you know, you look at them like, no, everyone's underwhelmed about them. But what they – I forget who was doing the analysis on it. But they really pointed out how those receivers excel at getting away from coverage. And Goff is a QB that throws to the open receiver. And so if you have and, and yes, that 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 seems stupid, but that I think that's where when his guys weren't getting open, he wasn't throwing them the ball, and that's where his things. Where if you have receivers that run their routes so crisp or can do the move to get open, he was more successful. So when they took that away from him and they didn't have the running game, he's his effectiveness dropped drastically. So now you give him receivers that at least in their microcosm and they they went to some stats and they broke it down into like pieces what I read. And I was like, okay, at least it makes sense. At least it looks like they have a plan going in here to give him the tools to support his skill set. And so I think it'll be competitive. um, And I think they're going to put him in the best position to succeed. And I think they'll probably, I think that, uh, that extra first-round pick come not next year, but the following year. I think that's where that'll be the where we decide where it, we'll know what they're doing with golf after that. I mean, because I think at that point they're either going to draft a young quarterback to play in front of this complete team, or nope, we're not drafting the quarterback because this guy's shown doing what we need him to do. I thought Goff was competent when he uh, with the Rams when that running game got going uh, with Acres last year. Um, mm-hmm. They could really run some solid play action off of that, and I mean he had a good receiving core out there with with Woods, yes, he did. with Woods, and you know um, Cup, or, Cup, Cup, yeah, yeah. So they, I mean he he was effective when that was that was working. When it, I worry correct. is when things got off schedule. Or there was pressure. He he's always struggled with that, which I guess a lot of quarterbacks do. I mean, it's and he's twenty six. I mean, let's 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 not. Fight. He's still twenty six. I mean, that's the mid range of your career, but still, that's twenty six. I mean, yeah. you know, Stafford was coming off his two injured seasons at twenty six, and we still don't know what he. You know, I mean, so. So the the receivers you were talking about, Tyra Williams, they signed in March. They signed Brashad Perriman, um, mm-hmm. two guys Legacy. that. <laughs> two, two guys that have had, I guess, potential in their previous spots. Perriman has been, I guess, he's like the potential guy everywhere he's been in. He's been injury prone for a while. Um, mm-hmm. I just, I, I'm a little worried about who they're going to throw the ball to besides TJ Hawkinson. Um, Hawkinson might catch 100 balls this year if he stays healthy. Um, I don't see that as a bad thing. Like, I mean, yeah, it, I. 
that's why we drafted him. I mean, and if he's not going to do it, I mean, we better find that out quick. You know what I mean? Like, we didn't draft him to be we didn't draft him to be drop him as primes. We drafted drafted him to be uh, Kelsey or a Kittle. So, and then uh, just today, no, is this Karrion Johnson? No, that was that was a few days ago. Yeah, Karrion Johnson they released. So that's that is DeAndre Swift's job now. Yep. Well, that was known going in. Like they were putting like he was penciled in to be the third down back. Okay. Um. So I I, I don't that's. It's a, I think it's a, it's disappointing because I think as a person he's a really good guy, but I think what they their draft when they drafted uh, Jermar Jefferson, plus their undrafted free agents that they brought in or undrafted rookies, I think, uh, I think that just sort of no we have people that can take that third down role, um, because he was a workhorse in college and the injuries I mean. Yeah, that's what I, I, you know, that that availability component, I think, is what, and... That's a huge piece. Yeah. Let's talk about the draft. Uh, I mean, so they get Panay School from Oregon, who easily the best uh, tackle in the draft, and and Mm -hmm. everything I read about this guy is he he has Hall of Fame potential. Um, So that's... I mean, if you've got a left tackle in this league, you're you're in a good spot right away. So i got to feel good about that. I loved it. I, I was cheering for it. I was hoping for it. I was scared to death that the Bengals were were going to take him. Yeah. Um, they should have. Um, <laughs> Arguably, yeah. <laughs> um, I, I feel bad for Joe Burrow because, uh, yeah, he's looking at another injury probably. But um, <laughs> the uh, but their their loss is our gain. Like I was, that's who I was pulling for um, of the talent. Uh, I'm talking to uh, Johnny. Um, multiple times about how even if if he's not available, we should trade back, um, take whatever. I mean, I don't care if it's one more draft pick. I don't care if it's third round, fifth round. Trade back and get more pieces because we have so many holes. Um, but getting getting the top tackle in the draft, who one is twenty years old, like what do you like? You're looking at ten to fifteen years. I mean, yeah. and that's you know, and even if he the expectation, I mean, what was it when he was two years ago when he played? I mean, he got as a sophomore, like the number one offensive lineman in the nation or something like that. Like, yeah. Yeah. And you listen to him talk about how he just wants to punish people. I mean, that fits with the physicality. And that goes into what you were talking about, how when Goff did well, he had an offensive line that protected him and had a good running game. Uh, yeah. It was the right move. Uh I was joking with you before we started recording that uh, I, I love the Lions draft. I, I just had a problem with pronouncing uh, a lot of their names. Um, um, so I was going to lean on you. They, they get a, a defensive lineman in the round two. Levi, help me out. All right. Well, I uh, I went to YouTube and was trying. I, I Googled tried to say the same because I hope was I. That was my first fear as soon as we had our conversation about me coming out. I was like, I was like, this is awesome. And I'm like, oh, oh man, I and I'm probably gonna. Butcher, but Levi owns their EK. Yep. And, and then they get Aline McNeil from from NC State uh, on the D line as well. So I mean, that's that's uh, offensive line, defensive line, the anchors of any football team. That's that's where they went with the first three picks. I love it. Um, I I 
I love it. I think the trenches is where you build it. Um, I think, you know, when you don't have a defensive line presence, um, you get killed. I mean, that's what the Lions have had the problem with the last two years. I mean, people were running up and down the field with them, and so you'd put 10 people in the box, and then you'd give up seven touchdowns. I mean, over the top. I mean, it's it, – I love it. Um, it doesn't make up for taking dropping Miss Primes instead of Aaron Donald, but, um, you know, it <laughs> – Hey, I, I have one of those, too. I had a Pat Mahomes mistake, okay? Yeah, well, that, that's oddly enough I wasn't going to bring it up, so. <laughs> uh, what else? But, uh, what else did you like uh, the rest of the drafts that they did? Um, the thing I noticed is um, lots of chips on their shoulders for the players um, that other teams passed on them. Um, uh, Aline McNeil in the no, I'm sorry, Levi um, in the second round. I know that a lot of other teams had their eye on him. Like I don't know if you caught any of his introductory press conference or when he was on the Zoom with the the beat reporters or anything. Dude is hysterical, going to be great sound bites, but um, basically he just likes to be mean to offensive linemen, and like you just hear that and you're like, all right, that's cool. Like, um, but it, it, I think it, they draft a lot of the things you can't coach. And that was size, speed, and strength, and just attitude. You, you can't coat, you can't change a person who they are. Um, and so I think that's like they went for size, speed, and attitude because you can't coach those things up. I saw Campbell said he didn't want to draft athletes; he wanted to draft football players that were athletic. And I, I think he accomplished that by uh, at least looking at the measurables of these guys. Um, I, I like 100%. I like the St. Brown pick in the in the fourth round from USC. I think he could come play the slot right away. Um, yep. And uh, yeah, Jefferson even in the seventh round, uh, I think we'll give him some depth there at that position. I think Derek Barnes will be starting for us by week four or five um, mm-hmm. at the latest. Um, but that's it. That that more has to do with how bad the line breaking for it is. But. Uh. <laughs> Well, again, I mean, this is it, this is kind of the fun part of, you know, getting a new coach, you're rebuilding, but you get a lot of young guys in there, and there's not a lot of expectation for the Lions this year, but no. it's kind of a fun spot to be in, in a way. Right. But yeah, you, you can argue you've been in that spot for a while. Wow. <laughs> Second verse, same as the first, a little bit louder and a whole lot worse. Um, <laughs> but, uh I, and, but going back to that, I think our earlier conversation about the coaches, I think the big difference between Campbell and like Morningwig or some of the other guys before is what got me excited about this this staff moving forward, and not about this year, but about this staff potentially moving forward, is the positional coaches. He brought in people that were experts in those positions that have ha- that know those positions to build up the players. And if you have a coach that you're going, coach, they're doing this to me. What can I do? And your position coach can go, oh, yeah, I've seen that because they're a former player or I've coached that or this is what happened. We did that before. I think the the positional coaches underneath Campbell, are, I think, are huge. Do Staley, right? Do Staley, yeah. Yeah. I, I'm loving the positional coach hires. And I think that's going to pay more dividends than necessarily the head coach, the offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator, because – 
it shows that we just want the best information to our players so that they can perform. And I think that's that's the thing I've noticed is difference about how this org this new regime is organizing and sending its message. And I think that's an important difference because always before it's like we're bringing in this genius as an offensive coordinator when you have Martin Mortingwig as the head coach or and so they tried to balance all this intellectual at the top instead of getting it closer to the players. And I I, I really like what they're doing with those with that. And that's where I'm going to where I say I think the interaction with the young players and these coaches is going to be huge. Sounds like for you the arrow's pointing up. I, I believe so, but I, I this year I'm not expecting anything more than if we hit four year four wins this year, I'm gonna be you know I'll be like, okay, that's about you know, at most. Um I just want the coaching decisions to make sense in the moment. Like, okay, I can see why you made that call, even if it didn't work. And that the players were in the position. If they get beat, they get beat. That's fine. We know we have a lot of talent and we're trying to make up for it. Um, as long as we're competitive and competent, I think it's a move up. Because before where it was, there wasn't competency. And I think that's because they weren't teaching. The last, the Quintricia regime was not teaching the players. It was go do this. I'm going to be hard on you, but go do this and not any teaching or bringing up. And then I'm going to stand on the sideline with my backwards hat and my pencil. Apparently, apparently coaching football teams is harder than rocket science. Who knew? (laughs) All right. What's uh, last question. What's, what's your take on Rogers? How's that going to play out? It's going to play the same way did with Favre. He's going to have to retire to get out. Um, He's going to retire for a year or so. They will eventually decide to trade him because it's Green Bay. Um, Green Bay has that mentality of we are Green Bay. Um, they are bigger than their players. They are bigger than their coach. That's why they sent home, Homegrown out is because he got bigger than Green Bay. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I think they're going to do the same thing they do with Favre. They're not, Favre, not going to trade him. I think they'll hang on to him to prove a point, to prove that they're Green Bay. And then if – I mean, it, it just seems like deja vu. I mean – it really does. I mean, they're just saying, oh, oh, you don't want to sit the bench or you don't want to deal with us? Fine. Um, so I think they will make him retire or find him to the point where he retires, and then he'll sit for a year, and then he'll decide if he wants to come back a year or two later and maybe make a run for a different team. This could just result in, in, in the Bears having the best quarterback situation in the division, shockingly. 100%. The Bears are in the best position right now, possibly. Like, the quarterback pickup was a great pickup. I mean, because what is – you have had a complete team for three, four years, just about. And and what's held you back was the quarterback play. And that pickup, if if he – if he hits Jared Goff level, you guys are going to be going to the NFC Championship, like, at a minimum. Like, wow. (laughs) <laughs> your defense is solid. You have a stub receiver. You have a solid running game. Like, I, you're, yeah, like you're, your, your expectations are higher than mine. <laughs> I, I, I understand. You don't have faith in your coach anymore. I get it. But, yeah, well, but, but, but your talent on the field, 
is better than Minnesota's. Um, um, it'll be between you two guys' teams because I don't think love I, I over agree Bay. Like I think that's um, I do like our backup quarterback pickup stealing the uh, celebrity from Green Bay. I think it was their third string. Oh, Doyle. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, like whatever. Like I, I'm cool with it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> steal from the rich, give to the poor. All right. And not much teams poorer than the, the Lions. So. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Brandon, I, uh, I appreciate you coming on, talking about the Lions and uh, your thoughts on this com- upcoming season, and uh, it should be fun to see how it plays out. Uh, thanks so much for having me. It was a great time, and uh, hopefully I uh, represented pretty well. You did, and, uh, yeah, we need, you need to come back on again, and we can uh, we talk about, I don't know, something else, Detroit sports, or uh, just some other nonsense would be fun. All right. More than happy. Uh, this this wraps up the NFC North post-draft recap pod. Appreciate everyone listening, and uh, we'll catch you next time.